So I want to take you just on a, on a, on a quick journey. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking, and uh, I am a thinker by nature. Sometimes I might even overthink. Um, it's probably one of my greatest assets and my greatest flaws. But I've been thinking a lot about my relationship with God. I'm a pastor, and I'm thinking about my relationship with God, so keep praying for me. But, but what I've been thinking about in particular is our paternal relationship with God. The relationship that we have with, with God as our father and then we as his children. Now, now here's what I've come up with. I'll, I'll save you the, the three months that I've been thinking about this, but here's what I've boiled it down to. Who you believe God to be will determine your expectation of him. Because belief is always the foundation of expectation. See, whenever you stop believing in someone, you'll stop expecting anything from them. That's even how you can live in the same house and be married and all of a sudden have no expectation of your spouse because you stop believing in them. Okay, not yet, right? I'm sorry. Let me continue to warm up. But your belief in God not only determines the expectation that you have of God, but it also determines the quality of your ask. And I've practiced that all week because I wanted to make sure I said the right thing. The quality of your ask is determined by how much you believe in God or who you believe God to be. What do you mean? Uh, I'll explain in a second, but I think all of these thoughts have been founded in the fact that when my, when my wife told me that we were pregnant, and you understand some of you guys don't respond to that like the way Arshel and I respond to that unless you know that story because my son is a miracle. He is a walking, living, breathing miracle because in our marriage, one of us was infertile and it wasn't my wife. It was me. And the doctor told me, hey, son, you can't have children. And we'll get to that in a second. Uh, spoiler alert. I got a son. <laughs> right, right. And, 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 and hear me. It didn't happen because of in vitro or anything else. It happened because God's hand said, said okay, I'll move on that. And, and, and when she told us, oh, I'm sorry, when she said, not us, when she told me, I hope there's no us. <laughs> when she told me, hey, we're having a child immediately, I shall not begin to prepare the way for my son. We begin to figure out what his name was going to be. Ace, first, presidential, in charge. Sound like my boy. Right? We started preparing the room. We started thinking about financially, what is this son going to cost us? And began making the budget and began making sure that when he came home that he had everything needed. We started thinking about his college tuition. We started thinking about how much is that going to cost us. And, and, and establishing a 529 plan. And, and, and then we started to even think about, man, because the Bible says a good man takes care of his children's children. So I've already started thinking about my grandchildren. And by 21, this dude is going to be set. Why? Because I'm his father. I said, I'm his father. But then I started thinking about my biological father and my stepfather because I happen to have two. And what I started thinking about was how even right now, there is not much of anything that I would ask my biological for today. Wouldn't ask my biological father for much of anything. 
And it's not because I'm upset. I don't even blame him for where he's been. Like, it's, it's none of that. It's just what experience has taught me. You see, what experience has taught me is that if I ask my biological father for something, it's going to lead to disappointment. Okay, I just want to talk to some real people who are like, you know what, I got some daddy issues, too. There you go. I, I want to talk to people who, who realize and understand, you know what, man, because of the experience that I have had with my biological father, I've just, I've just really prepped myself to say, I can't ask you for much of nothing. I can't ask you for anything. And I'm not mad at you. It's okay. I, I really mean that. But I just can't go there with you. And as I stayed on that thought train, what I began to realize is that Oftentimes, the relationship that we have with our earthly father greatly impacts our relationship with our heavenly father. And what I began to realize, what I began to understand is that if my experience with my earthly father has been negative, especially when it comes to asking, then I might not ask my heavenly father for anything. And it's not that I don't believe that he can do it, but I don't want to experience the letdown and the disappointment. Because consciously or whether subconsciously or consciously, what I have told myself is that if I don't ask him, at least I can't expect. And so I know that God is capable of blessing people. I know that God is capable of giving full lives. I know that God is capable of doing amazing things in people's life. And if he does it to me, great, but I won't ask for it. Because if I ask for it, I might just find out that the way that or with the earthly father that he's given me and the heavenly father that I have, they have way more in common than I would like to acknowledge. Okay, I'm not talking to nobody. So I'm going to try this side of the room. Maybe y'all are ready. Because what happens when my expectations of God is limited by the representation of a father I've had in the earth. But I told you I had two fathers, and I'm grateful because my mother, she ended up getting married to my stepfather. And can I just do this? Can I just, I, and I mean this, can we just honor the stepfathers who stepped in and raised another man's child? So whether you're in Baltimore, or whether you're watching in line, or whether you're here in this room with us, we want to tell you that we appreciate you. We honor you. We know that Macy's doesn't do any special commercials for you, but we love you, and I mean that. All right, I'm about to say something real ignorant. I love asking my father, Kennedy, for stuff. I love asking him for stuff because he's the type of giver that will give above and beyond. I love it. Because he can't just give you an iPad. Like if I asked him for an iPad, which I did one day, I said, I want an iPad. He cannot just give you the iPad for the life of him. When when you ask him for the iPad, he's got to give you the case. He's got to give you the iPad screen protector. He's got to give you the spray. He's got to give you the cloth to wipe it all off. He's got to give you the, the Apple Pencil. He's got to give you the AirPods because you don't never know what you're going to be. And you want to make sure everybody can't hear what you're doing. You got to make sure he'll give you all the chargers. He's going to go on Amazon and get you about three or four bags to put all that stuff in. And he's going to make sure you got Apple Care, which costs half the product, which I'll never understand. <laughs> and that's the type of giver that my father is. And what I began wondering, what I began trying to figure out is what happens 
or what would have happened if I never experienced that type of giving from a father? I began wondering what would happen, or how about this, how limited would my asking of God be if I never experienced that type of father's love? Because for so many of us, our asking of God is literally limited by our present reality or our present circumstance. And the problem with that is that if you never develop the faith to see past your present reality, then you run the grave risk of settling for the bare minimum in life. What do you mean? I'm glad you asked. Say, what do you mean? mean? I want to make sure I answered your question. (laughs) Come on, Baltimore, stay with me. Any of you all, uh, I I need you to go back to the time that when you were like six to like nine. Okay, you ready? You were about six to nine, and and remember your mom or your dad, they would pick you up from practice or pick you up from school or wherever you were at, and you would get in the back of that car, and at least once throughout that week, you're going to ask a very important question. You ready? Hey, mom, dad, can we go to... snap. Y'all not from Columbia for real. Because I could have sworn in Columbia y'all was going to say Chick-fil-A, Chipotle. Because you know, I I grew up in PG County. So we ain't have, we didn't know about Chick-fil-A in the night. Chick-fil-A ain't got no dollar menus. That's not where we was going to, you got to be grown to go to Chick-fil-A. You need a job. And so, and so I would ask my mom, hey, hey mom, can, can, can I go to Chick-fil-A? I'm sorry, no. <laughs> can I go to McDonald's? And my mother would ask me one very specific question back. Do you got some? How <laughs> y'all had the same mom. <laughs> so, so, so here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. I brought with me some nostalgia, guys. Do y'all remember this from McDonald's? What was this called? The Happy Meal. Hey, the name of this message is Don't You Settle for the Happy Meal. Because we love the Happy Meal, right? You had the Happy Meal, and uh, you would have you a Coke, right? You would get your fries. Come on. You would get what they told you was chicken nuggets. (laughs) And you would get you a little burger, right? And they told you that was a burger, too. And I made sure that this stuff really wasn't McDonald's because I know y'all got like thousands upon thousands of people watching y'all and I didn't want y'all to get sued. So it says, it says Junior Box. <laughs> so, but, but here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. The Happy Meal was amazing. And, and I remember growing up, I mean, I would probably have a Happy Meal at least once in my, like once a week. Come on, man, I'm the only one. Okay, I got a single mother, man, so we, or she was single at that time, so sometimes that's what you got. Amen. You better be glad. <laughs> right, right. And, 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 and what I started thinking about was at 31 years old, it's no way you could pay me to eat McDonald's right now. <laughs> all right, all right. Everyone got a price. <laughs> so depending on how much, I might. But, but, but here's what I mean, here's what I mean, here's what I mean. At 31 years old, in my right mind, I am not eating nobody's Happy Meal. But have you ever been hungry? <laughs> I mean hungry. No, I mean starving. 
Come on, Baltimore. Baltimore. No, no, no. Okay. Baltimore, I know y'all with me. Have you ever been hangry? Yeah. <laughs> we know what hangry is. <laughs> when you hungry and what? Angry. That's, that's a bad place to be. <laughs> and what I started to realize is that hangry is not the first step. Hangry is a product of delay. Hangry, see, you get hangry when hunger has been delayed. And, 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 and what's interesting to me about hunger, though, is that, like, right before you get hungry, before you even know you're hungry, you can actually picture what you're going to eat. Some of y'all are already picturing what you're going to eat right now. Thanksgiving's over, guys. Put that food up. But, 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 but you're already thinking about what you're going to eat now. And here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. You can become very specific the early you are in your hunger. You might say, yo, I want steak and potatoes. I want steak and potatoes. Listen, I'm going to have me some steak and potatoes. Someone can offer you, hey, you want to go to McDonald's? Nah, bro, I'm going to Roof Chris because I want some steak and potatoes. I know exactly what I want. But isn't it interesting how the longer you have to wait, the more willing you are to change that answer? And how you can literally, like, once you get to the point of hangry, somebody can ask you, hey, what do you want to eat? And you'll say, man, anything. I'll eat this Happy Meal. It's so funny to me how delay can change your answer. Baltimore, I heard this preacher say one time, it's so funny to me how delay can change your answer. How you were so specific about what you wanted. You wanted steak and potatoes. And now you're willing to settle for a burger and some fries. It's not steak and potatoes. It is beef, though. At least that's what they tell you. (laughs) And it is fries. It's not potatoes, but it is fries. It's not steak and potatoes, but it is a lesser version. And I'm wondering what lesser versions are you settling for in your life? Because the question was pretty, was pretty straightforward. What do you want to eat? You could have said anything. But what happened? You allowed your present circumstance to dictate the quality of your ask. I'm hungry, so I'll just take a happy meal. See, I want to preach to you today about this guy in the Bible. His name is Bartimaeus. We'll pick up in Mark chapter number 10, verse number 46. Here's what it says. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples, a great crowd, and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus said to him, well, before I go there, let me just kind of explain to you what's happening. You have Bartimaeus, and Bartimaeus is, is, is blind. And we don't know how long he's been blind, but let's just say he's been a significant part of his life. And Bartimaeus begins to cry out, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. 
And the people that were with Jesus are the ones who begin to tell him to be quiet. The people who are with Jesus are the ones who begin to tell him, shut up. It don't take all of that. Why are you making so much noise? And yet Bartimaeus begins to cry out all the louder, son of David, have mercy on me. See, something happens when you learn how to praise despite your hate. See, something happens when you learn how to press in and continue to worship despite the people telling you to be quiet. Because if you ever learn how to worship past your haters, it might just get you a face-to-face meeting with Jesus. And Bartimaeus gets this this face-to-face meeting with Jesus, but Bartimaeus is blind. And what I'm finding is that sometimes we can be blind in our life, not necessarily physically, but we're blinded by the things that's in front of us. Because for whatever reason, we can't seem to see past this anxiety that cripples me every time I want to move forward. We can't seem to see past this family drama. We can't seem to see past this hurt that has literally begun to, to, to cause me to feel stuck and to feel lonely and to feel afraid. We can't seem to see past this year 2020. Some of us, you can't see past your past. And oftentimes what happens when we can't see past our past is we begin to settle for what's right in front of us. And Jesus gets the chance to approach Bartimaeus and we pick up in verse number 50 and here's what he says. And it says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and he came to Jesus and Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? I've been reading this for almost 20 years and I missed it till a couple of months ago. What do you want me to do for you is the equivalent of me asking what do you want to eat? You see, Jesus gave Bartimaeus a blank check. What do you want me to do for you? But because Bartimaeus was stuck in his present reality, he could only answer that which was right in front of him. So he said, let me have my sight. And what I'm beginning to wonder is what did Bartimaeus leave on the table? What did he leave on the table? What do you want me to do for you? What I'm finding is that oftentimes we can be so surrounded by our present circumstance that all we really want is out of it. And God will approach your life because you have worshiped. Oh my gosh. And you have been faithful. And you have been true. And you have been steadfast. And he'll ask you, what do you want me to do for you? And because you can't see past your own circumstance, you'll respond, let me just make it to the end of 2020. And then have the nerve to say, God has been moving in my life. Well, what are you asking for? And what I'm discovering is that as believers, a lot of us have, have gotten to the place and have gotten to the point Well, we have faith in God, but we don't have faith by its definition. What do you mean, Pastor B? 
No, you have faith in God. You believe that he's the Savior. You believe that he died for you. believe that his son is Jesus, but you don't have faith by his definition, which is the, one of the things is the ability to call those things that be not as though they are. So you can quote it, but you can't live it. And the Bible never says study to quote. It says study to show yourself approved. And, and what I'm discovering and what I'm finding is that that verse is hard to live out. It's so hard to live out because you can enter into a year like this year where it feels like you're surrounded by knots. Call those things that be not as though they are, and yet it feels like I'm surrounded by knots. What do you mean? I feel like I do not measure up. I feel like I am not qualified. I feel like I am not appreciated. I feel like I'm not valued. I feel like I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I do not like this year. This is not what I expected. You are not who I thought you were. And when I feel like I'm surrounded by knots, my prayer life becomes centered in such. And all I want is out. And you begin praying about the knots when God never told you to pray about knots. He told you to call those things that be not. And you're praying happy meal prayers. Can I tell you something? And I believe this with everything in me, Baltimore. I believe this with everything in me. You watching online as you're fixing your hair, getting ready to go to brunch. Listen to me. No, <laughs> chill out, chill out. <laughs> I just came for your life. Listen, right where you are, right now, right here, right where you are in this season of your life, maybe you're not going to brunch. Maybe you just, you're by yourself and this Thanksgiving holiday was different for you. Right where you are. Is right where God wants you. Right where you are is right where God wants you. Can I make this about me? I felt so inadequate in this season sometimes. I felt like I didn't measure up. I felt like I was in over my head. There's been seasons where I felt like I was gasping for air. Just me. And I remember being in the office and I'm talking to God, and, I, and I'm really, I'm crying to God, and I'm saying, God, I feel like I've let you down. Just me. If it is, it's okay. I'm, I'm proud about mine. God, I feel like I let you down. And I felt like I heard this small little faint whisper that said, Impossible. And I said, no, it's possible. <laughs> it's definitely possible because this is the way I feel. And he said, son, impossible. And I need you that's watching online. Listen, listen, listen. The reason why he said that was impossible is because what God responded back to was, it's no way you can let me down because you were never the one holding me up. And I don't know who that frees and who that releases to know that you are not the one holding God up. So right where you are, it's right where he wants you. 
but you don't know how painful this is. You don't know how difficult this is. You don't know how frustrating life is right now. You're not the one in this marriage. What do you mean right where I am is right where God? Listen, right where you are is right where God wants you. And you're probably looking for like, okay, so what's the pick me up? (laughs) It's so hard. And this is so tough. Yep. But don't you dare allow the difficulties of this season to cause you to forget who your father is. I like, I like growing up, they said, who's your daddy? you allow this season to forget who your daddy is. Who's your daddy? Who's your father? See, I'm not saying that Bartimaeus shouldn't have asked for his sight. I'm just saying I think you left some stuff on the table. I think you serve a God that can do that and dot, dot, dot. Thank you serve a God who, who says, keep it coming. Keep it coming. All you want is your sight. I'm giving you a blank check and all you want is your sight. See, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Before, before it got difficult, you knew exactly what you wanted. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 I just heard this pastor over there say, before it got difficult, you knew exactly what you wanted. Can I come on your front step? Before it got delayed, you knew exactly what you wanted. But something happens with delay. See, when delay comes, my answer changes. Okay, I'm really about to go there. Before you got into this engagement season and everyone else decided to get an engagement and your ring got lost. <laughs> Y'all do know we in engagement season. And you saw everyone else saying, I said yes. You knew what type of relationship you wanted. Now you're willing to settle for a happy meal. Now you're willing to, I take them nuggets. They come with four or five. (laughs) And I'll pay. Don't worry about it. Happy meal. When God has so much more in store for you. See, when we got in January of 2020, you were so bold about your faith. January 1st, you had vision boards. Some of y'all already typed up the resignation letter. Because you knew that you was going to quit this year because you was trusting God. And you had catalysts on December 31st and Pastor Stephen told you to pray and believe God for the impossible. And you got so excited and then Corona said, hello. And now you're weak. Because you wasn't full of faith, you was full of fluff. 
you said what you thought everyone wanted to hear. And you said what you was trying to convince yourself of. Because faith doesn't, faith that isn't tested is faith that can't be trusted. And faith doesn't show up until difficulty sets in. And I'm trying to figure out, are you full of faith or are you full of fluff? Because why have you stopped asking God for the things that you was praying for in January, but now you got happy meal prayers? God, just let me get to the end of this year, please. But in January, you was on your knees and you was face down, believing and full of faith that God was going to do something ridiculous and awesome this year. But now that you've got a little bit of pressure, now that you've gotten hangry because you're hungry for God and angry that this year is the way it is, now you settle for something less than what... What Happy Meals do you have in your life? What Happy Meals do you have in your life? Singles, what Happy Meals are you tolerating? Oh, I'm getting bold. Some of you are Happy Meal jobs. Because you have faith to trust him to quit before it was a pandemic. When a pandemic hit, you really don't believe that he's Jehovah Jireh. Because you have fluff in that faith. I'm still building a building in the middle of a pandemic. I just got faith. I just believe God's going to do it. So Bartimaeus cries out, son of David, have mercy on me. Son of David, have mercy on me. Who are you crying out to? I know I've kind of been picking on Bartimaeus, but I think he did this right. Who are you crying out to? Are you crying to someone who can't change anything? Are you crying to someone who cannot fix nothing? Some of you are crying to the one who caused the problem. And thought that your tears this time was going to fix it when it didn't fix it last time. Who are you crying to? Because if I'm not crying to the one who holds my world in his hands, if I'm not crying to the one who can fix a marriage, heal a child, bring my family back together, all before I ever opened up my eyes and said good morning, then I'm not crying to the right person. Are you crying to the one who makes situations that look impossible easy? Are you crying to the one who can look at your life and say, it's not messed up, it's not jacked up, it's just my kind of perfect, and watch what I'll make you. Who are you crying to? Who are you crying to? Yeah, 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 you and that house that have spent the last couple of days crying because this year it didn't pan out the way you thought it was. And everyone else was with family and you was by yourself. 
And so many of us, if we can be honest, we can say that this year has been hard. This year has been difficult. This year has been trying. Can I tell you that the world would tell you that tears make you weak? No, tears are a collector's item. Okay, you don't believe me. Go to Psalms 56, verse number 8. It says, you keep track of all my sorrows. You, are, you have collected. You have collected. You have collected some. You've collected a little bit. No, you have collected all of my tears in your bottle. Can I tell you that when you walk into the bedroom of God, it's not bottles of cologne on a dresser or perfume, but it's hundreds and billions of, of bottles on that dresser. And if you was to ask him, what is it? He would tell you, those are the tears of my people. He's collected every single one of them. He just didn't collect them. It says, and you've recorded each one in your book. Meaning that every tear that you said has meaning. Every tear that you said, it has a place. Every tear that you have said was not for naught. He knows exactly why you cried it, when you cried it. And I'm not just talking about God in this moment. I'm talking about your father. Your father knows why you cry. Your father knows the tears that comes out of your eyes. And tears are quite phenomenal. The phenomenal thing about tears is that it actually defies the rules of sowing and reaping. Because we've been taught that you reap what you what? If I sow an apple seed, I'm going to get an apple. Because I reap what I what? But yet tears somehow have figured out how to defy that odd. Because when I get to Psalms 126, David tells me that when I sow in tears, I shall reap in joy. And some of you have spent this entire year crying. And here's what God wanted me to tell you, that you don't cry tears, you sow them. You don't cry tears, you sow them. And I'm telling you that if you spent years crying, if you spent weeks crying, if you spent these last couple days crying, you aren't going to reap a heartache. You're getting ready to go into one of the most joyful seasons of your life because seeds are precious and your tears are precious seeds to God. This is your father who looks at you and says, your tears are not wasted. They're collected, they're stored up, and they're bottled. And when I pour it, you get joy. So if you're gonna cry, if you're gonna go through the year that we've gone through, if you're gonna go through all of this pain and turmoil and unrest and all of this civil, I mean, if you're gonna go through all of this, you gotta want more than a Happy Meal for that. You're gonna be that hangry and eat a fake chicken nugget. Serve a God who says this in Matthew chapter number seven, this is Jesus speaking, he says, if then, you are evil and know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father, who's your daddy? 
All y'all thinking about what gifts you're going to get your children and your friends and all that stuff. And God says, listen, if you can do that, how much more will your Father who is in heaven, watch this, give good things to those who what? And you can't tell me the last time you really asked God for anything more than a happy meal. As a matter of fact, earlier in that verse, he said in Matthew chapter number 7, verse 7, I'm going to wrap this up. He says, ask and what? I got a question. What's the first letter in the word ask? Say it loud. Come on, class. I know virtual learning is a a beast. (laughs) Ask and it will be given to you. Watch this. Seek and you will find. What's the first letter in the word seek? Watch this. Knock, and it will be open to you. What's the first letter in the word K? Come on, class. What's that spell? I'm telling you that you serve a God who is saying, would you just ask me for something? Don't you settle for a happy meal? Don't you settle for bare minimum? No, ask me for something because I want to give it to you. What are you asking for? What are you believing God for? What is God asking of you? I'm getting ready to go. I wanted to leave you with this verse. Ephesians 3.20, the message says, it's one of my fa- this is my absolute favorite verse. Anyone in my church knows I, when I sign my name, I sign this because I need you to really hear this. And this verse can preach itself. God can do anything, you know. If I've pushed all of my spiritual chips in on one verse, it's this one. Because the Bible says to believe this whole thing. So if i got to believe one verse, this is the one I've chosen. God can do anything, you know. Far more than you could ever imagine or guess or what? What's another word for request? In your wildest dreams, which means your best request on your best day in your best mood, God is still able to go far above that. And so I told you, and I was blessed with a son. And I was infertile. This by far was the hardest faith battle I've ever had in my life. Me and Arshel didn't tell anyone about it. I failed every sperm test at two different locations. From mobility to shape to, I mean, this, it was, they said, boy, you ain't got nothing. And that thing ripped my heart out of me. So all I ever wanted to be was a father. I knew I couldn't do a whole lot, but if there's one thing I was going to be was a good dad. Because of the experience I had with my own father. So if I could do anything, I was going to be a good dad. And they said, you can. And I heard God say, what do you want me to do, son? 
I said, I want a son. I want a son. Three months later, I got a son. But that's my story. What will you ask for this year? If God can raise his son in three days, what can he do in five weeks? Don't go through a year like what we just had and get a happy meal for it. Get your miracle. God, I thank you so much for you being so good. Father, we repent for presenting you with Happy Meal prayers and requests. God, we acknowledge that you can do anything that you're capable of the impossible. And so today, God, we come to you willing to ask you for the impossible and not leave anything on the table. Hey, I want to pray for one more special person. You know, I think the most significant question you could ever ask is simply this. Jesus, would you come into my life? And maybe you're in this room or you're watching us online or you're in Baltimore and your heart is racing right now. In fact, your eyes have been glued to the screen for the last couple of minutes and you're trying to figure out what's going on. There's a lot happening internally and I just can't seem to figure it out. What is this? And I'll just tell you that it's Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. See, he's a perfect gentleman. He'll never just intrude or barge your way into his life. But it only comes by you receiving him. And today, maybe the question that you'll ask, that'll give you access to ask this God who loves you for anything in this world, is Jesus, would you come into my life? And if that's you, would you pray that prayer with me today? Would you pray that prayer? Jesus, come into my life. I believe that you died for me, that you rose again, and I accept your son as my Lord and my Savior. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, we are celebrating and we are clapping. And we- Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.